In 86, Anne M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. Hey, babe. Don't. Talking don't to you now. Hi, hi. Yeah. Hi, hi. Hi, hi. I'm surprised none of our baby boys or baby girls or baby people yeah. have sent in any submissions for our Hi, hi, Jamie t-shirt contest. I think it probably takes a long time to make something awesome like that, and they're just taking their time. Uh, the, so so this is a, a message to all of you out there in Baby Nation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what we want is a t-shirt that has Jamie Newton on it saying hi, hi. Which is the Baby Nation. Oh, God, that sounds so good. Yeah, I feel good about that. Hi, hi. Hi, hi. Welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. My name is Jack Shepard. My name is Tanner Greenring. And this is a podcast that you listen to about the Babysitter's Club by Anna Martin. You've presumably, I assume at this point, have listened to it seven times already. Well, or there's you no... hop in at eight? This is episode eight. Maybe you're just taking a dip in the water. Maybe Boy Crazy Stacy is your very favorite Babysitter's Club book, uh, which it may be mine. Um, I'm really glad... Before yeah. we begin, before you you do your hilarious intro, great, good about how dumb I am. Uh huh. Um, I'm really glad I read these books on a Kindle mm-hmm. because I read the majority of this book on the New York City subway system. And if I, a uh, six foot five, thirty two year old man, Hulk of a man, Hulk of a man, I know all you podcast listeners. What you hear is my nasally voice, but I'm actually a huge man. Yeah, I'm six foot four. I weigh 220 pounds. I'm a I'm a big guy. Yeah, it's built a like weird... a linebacker. It's Minnesota bloodlines that Nordic blood surging through me. Um, if I had been seen holding a book, a 120 page book called Boy Crazy <laughs> Stacy, I'm pretty sure I would have been run right off that subway. And rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. In the context of this book, for those who have read it, Tanner sounds like an Alex, but he looks like a Scott. Ooh. <laughs> That's the nicest thing you've ever said about it me. It sounds like a a nerdy, know-nothing, useless square of an Alex, but he looks like a hunky, large okay. beefcake, <laughs> beefcake. Of, a, <laughs> of a Scott. Yep. Uh, uh, let's get into it, man. Do your intro. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about why we're doing this real quick for those who are actually just dipping in. As a young man, I read all of these books. Uh, I had a cousin who was a good friend of mine. She liked these books. She introduced them to me. I read all of them. Man, your cousin put you on blast on Facebook this week. I know. You shared our latest app, and she was like, uh, why don't I ever get a hat tip? And it was like, hey, dog, you get a hat tip at the top of literally every single yeah. episode. No, that's a true point. Yeah. So she put me on blast. It was clear she hadn't listened necessarily. Yeah. Um, but also, she she deserves a hat tip. Here here it is again uh, to my cousin who introduced me to these books. First Tanner, name. what's her first name? Pip. Pip. Pip Silverwood, short for Philippa. Oh, that's your mom's I name. I guess now my cousin. Now you can find her. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Pip. <laughs> you got the whole baby nation coming after you now. <laughs> oh, that was good. It, you say that so well. Yeah, it feels good. Um, why are you reading these books, Tanner? Um, the reason I read these books, yeah, is because somewhere deep inside of me mm-hmm. exists a scared thirteen-year-old mm-hmm. girl, um, a boy crazy, possibly thirteen-year-old girl. 
Oh, the boy craziest. The boy craziest. I think we're going to talk a lot about boy craziness today, and that's something that's that's a big theme of this novel. I want to start by saying what I think this novel is about, and then we're going to do a little segment that we have come to enjoy where Tanner describes the entire plot in 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Here's my kind of brief summation of it, and you can tell me whether you think this is right. Uh, on a trip to the beach uh, with a close friend, a young woman from New York becomes gradually more and more unstable as she falls under the influence of a mysterious lifeguard named Scott. And the question confronting us in this book is, will Scott succeed in completely unraveling her fragile mind? Uh, or can Stacy be turned aside from her breakneck path towards boy craziness and ruin? What do you think? Timey. You're ready. You're ready. As usual, yours is bullshit nonsense. Okay. And there's a very concise plot yeah. that can be laid out in 60 seconds. In 60 seconds. Yep. All right, let's go now. Stacy McGill, Marianne something. Uh, they're mommy's helpers for the Pikes. Uh, Pikes have lots of kids. I don't remember how many. Nine, maybe. They uh, go to Sea City, New Jersey. Hey, BT Dubs, not a real place. Just like Stony Brook, another fictional town ripped out of fantasy world um they take care of the pike kids as the parents try to enjoy their vacation they're on the jersey shore they're right by the beach um stacy falls in love with a boy named scott he's a hunk he always wears something called nose what was it called nose dip something i think it's like sunscreen i don't know um um, 15 seconds left she falls in love with him he's a jerk he calls her babe and like princess a lot um marianne falls in love with a boy named alex stacy eventually realizes that scott's not right for her falls in love with a boy named toby they go on a double date and they kiss in the tunnel of love uh and then they go home back to uh stony brook connecticut it's over oh yes wow that was good i got it all yeah yeah i like that a lot i think that's actually a pretty accurate summation you left out uh everything that happens to marianne no, I said Marianne falls in love with a boy named Alex. Oh, God, that's barely scratching the surface of what happens to Marianne. They really, like, commit to one another, too. They buy one another, like, promise rings. Yeah. Well, and I think that the central tension of this book is between entropy, between <laughs> chaos, God damn it. and order and rules. Uh-huh. Uh, between people who... I feel like our second branding opportunity after Jamie High High Shirts yeah. is Exhausted Tanner. Uh-huh. Saying, uh huh. <laughs> no, this is important. I think this is real. I think that the central tension of this book is between chaos and order, between boy craziness and boy sensibleness. Okay. Um, and we've got two women who take very, very different paths. Right. Ultimately to the same ending, but uh, Marianne is ultimately very, very boy sensible. And I think that speaks well of her, and it also works out better for her. Stacey yeah, makes well, some fucking mistakes. I'd be interested to see this narrative from the perspective of Marianne. Right. Because you say she's boy sensible because we only get it from Stacy's point of view, who is titularly boy crazy. She's boy crazy. Man, she is boy crazy. Yeah. Um, this dude Scott, this like cool eighteen year old lifeguard, yeah. just treats her like a fucking pile of shit. Yeah, I've got some I wrote down some stuff that Scott his name is Scott Foley. The first thing out of his mouth is, hey, cutie. Yeah. The second thing out of his mouth is, maybe we better introduce ourselves. I'm Scott. Scott Foley. I've been noticing you. Ooh. Ooh. Which I would be into if somebody said that to me, if, yeah. a, if a hunky lifeguard 
or lifeguardess said that to me, I'd be pretty psyched about it. Right. Looking at it from where I am at, yeah, a 30-something-year-old man 25 years later, yeah, he's 18. Yeah, he's a, he's a predator. And she's 12. Yeah, 13. 13, sorry. He's a she's predator. She's 13. Oh, and she, so she says that. She responds awesomely. I'm Stacy McGill, 13 years old, <laughs> formerly of New York City. <laughs> I'm, I'm in over my head. <laughs> I, I like formerly of New York City, which is like, Stacy, fucking get over it. I had a similar thought to you. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a um, as discussed, 32-year-old, uh, 6'5", Hulk of a man. Mm-hmm. But in reading these books, I do the normal human thing and um, project myself onto the character Mm-hmm. whose perspective I'm reading through. And this week it happened to be a 13-year-old uh, slight diabetic girl named Stacy McGill. As it is every four weeks. But in the process of reading through this, I was trying to separate myself from her a little bit, but I couldn't. So every time I pictured her walking down the beach, I saw my six-foot-five 32-year-old self walking down the beach. So you imagine how put off I was when a handsome, hunky 18-year-old man um, from the lifeguard stand looks up at me and says, Hey there, princess. Yeah. I did the opposite thing. I put myself in the lifeguard's perspective. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, That's probably the same and normal thing to do for a well-adjusted... Yeah. A uh, heterosexual man. Yeah. I imagine myself being it. Because, you know, I've, we've all been on beach vacations. Yeah. And and had a summer romance. Nope. Not me, man. Well, Too much of a nerd growing or, up. Or speculated about what it might be like to have a summer romance. Played a lot of, uh, sat on the beach, played a lot of uh, Pokemon Crystal on my Game Boy Advance. Oh, man. You know who would have lapped that right up? Oh, fucking Marianne probably. Marianne would've. Spear would have been like, uh, sorry to bother you. Uh, but which which that... starter did you choose? <laughs> oh, uh, Torchic, cool. <laughs> yeah. So Scott, wait. I like. I'm gonna. Uh, you and I are grown ups. Mm-hmm. We're both married. Yeah. To women. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, we're gonna have kids. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I think the the one piece of advice I'm gonna give my young son mm-hmm. is, um, and it's a piece of advice I wish my dad had given me. Is you're you're a boy. You're full of hormones. You're you're gonna be awful to women. You don't need to be. Uh, and the the easiest way to not be is to treat every woman as if they're a thirty two year old, six foot four Hulk of a man. Because if I was walking down the beach and Scott the lifeguard was at his lifeguard stand and he saw me coming and yeah. said, "Hey, princess," yeah, I would shoot him the saltiest look. <laughs> but Stacy loved it, man. I mean, Stacey, you know. I mean, it was a different time, man. It was 1986. I feel like we've really matured as a nation now, and like, yeah. we can't just go around like catcalling 13 year old girls and calling them princess and babe and shit, you know. And I'm so especially pleased, especially when you're not a 19 year old man yeah. who's about to go to college. It's weird, and the justification in this book is that like Scott's not really into her. Like at some point. Stacy falls head over heels for this guy and goes and like tries to buy him presents and yeah. stuff and like she writes Stacy plus Scott equals love in the sand like she just comes on super strong. No. He's a super villain. He's got like a whole army of teen girls yeah. to like do his bidding. They just right. like go and fetch him pops and yeah. like make him say And that's and, and he like splits it with his other lifeguards. Yeah. He's always like, "Hey princess, Bruce. I've been thinking about you. You're looking you're looking great today. Hey, would you like to get me a soda?" And Stacy's like, "Ugh." 
<laughs> can I get you a soda? Are you kidding me? <sighs> it's not a good look for Scott. And I think that, that that'll come back to bite him eventually. Every time Scott, essentially every time Scott said something, I took a note yeah. and just did the emoticon that is a colon and then a slash to be like, uh, uh, like uh, what are Scott, you doing, dude? Just let it go, man. Though Scott does have, Scott has a girlfriend uh, and who's his age. Right, and she's curvy. Yeah. The, the way you're saying that sounds like you're interpolating that, but it is stated in the text. No, it's that she's, stated yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, she's curvy. She's curvy, and and, and they're making out on the bench. That's what Stacy says. Marianne and Stacy discover it right after Stacy has spent like all of her allowance on a Stacy. Stacy, if you're listening to this, like, don't like you're coming on way too strong. Two ideas that you had that I hated. One, getting a T-shirt. That has Stacy plus Scott equals love spelt L U V on yeah, it yeah. made. Like after you met this guy a couple times and he called you princess. Even like setting aside the weird age difference. Yeah. Like even if that's on, like you like this guy, he likes you. Don't get a t shirt made that says like your name and his name plus love spelled right. wrong. Did we cover on the podcast a few weeks ago uh, when I was here and your wife came in with a box full of. What did it say? Jack. I. Uh, it said, I heart Jack and Sarah. T-shirts? T-shirts and hats. And hats. And your wife handed me one of each. <laughs> uh, and I I um, still <laughs> proudly wear both uh, when I go to the gym. Um, I didn't. I actually didn't realize. They were left was... over from your wedding. I think Sarah's dad may have made them for you guys. Yeah. Um, very handsome shirt and if you know if if wearing a confession of love is wrong yeah. I want to be right <laughs> yeah I'm going to take that whole thing back I wish I ha- had thought about that for one second I literally have done that yeah I have been part of making a t-shirt that declares my love yeah it's not even your love it says I heart Jack and Sarah yeah so it's not even you declaring your own love for your wife, which is perfectly normal. You married her. Yeah. It's you forcing yeah. other people. To... Well, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, the second thing that Stacy does that, it, like, fortunately she's pulled back from the brink is she goes to buy him a gift. And the gift she buys him is somehow it's like a Valentine's heart full of chocolates, which is like, again, they haven't even held hands at this point. And fortunately, at the moment that she buys it, she and Marianne see Scott making out with this curvy lady who's, like, age-appropriate. Right. Um, and that 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 sets Stacy back for, like, 25 seconds. And then she falls in love with Toby. Toby sounds like the coolest dude in the world. Do you want to hear how he's described the first time she sees him? Yeah. He was wearing plain white swimming trunks, but his shirt was amazing. Tan with silly pictures of cowboy boots and cactuses all over it. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. And his sunglasses, black bands with narrow slits from side yeah. to side to see through. Totally cool. Yeah. He was wearing Kanye West sunglasses. Yeah, that sounds cool as hell, man. 25 years before Kanye West made them popular. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, dude. Do you think Kanye West is just reading babysitter's <sighs> books? And, like, mining them for, like, modern fashion ideas. God, that makes so much sense. Oh, shit. I'm going to start tracking that, man. I'm going to start tracking what Claudia and Stacey are wearing in every book. 
and like Google image searching Kanye West and just seeing if it matches up. Yeah. A thing that Stacy and Claudia have definitely signaled as being cool is whenever someone wears an oversized t-shirt. Yeah. They oh, say that's shit, cool. Oh shit, man. Is that something Kanye does? I think so. Yeah. I think he's got a whole line of t-shirts that's like big oversized t-shirts. Oh my god. Oh my god, man. This is bi- this is actually big. Like I I'm think we blow the fucking lid wide off this thing. Oh, I'm gonna God. go to Twitter tonight. Yeah. After a few more beers, I'm yeah. gonna go to Twitter tonight and be like, "Hey, Kanye, I'm calling you <laughs> out, man." I know what's happening. You're not the only thirty-something-year-old dude who's pouring over the Babysitters <laughs> Club books for life and fashion advice. Tomorrow, let's go to Dash. Let's go to his wife's shop in Soho, New York. Yeah. With our Kindles in hand. Oh man. And just see what's up. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, I'm into it. Um, what do you want to talk about next? I got a few things. Uh, we haven't really scratched the surface of boy craziness. Yeah, uh, we started to get into it a little bit, but Stacy's not the only boy crazy Stacy in this book. Okay, who else is a boy crazy Stacy? Marianne. I d- strongly disagree. She's not boy crazy. She's boy sensible, but she is... No, she's a little boy crazy. She's 100% boy sensible. Sure, she's no, titillated she, like, she when she of, kisses Alex in the fucking tunnel of love. Dare. Don't you dare. She kisses him. She is a prudent young woman. They do not kiss. It is never stated that they kiss. What they do do is, is exchange promise rings yeah. with their initials on one another. What do you think is more significant in a relationship? Uh, a light kiss... A little bit of light kissing? In a, or in a, oh, I'm sorry. literally engraving your initials on a ring and giving it to somebody. They kiss in a tunnel of love, man. Yeah. That's like real. Yeah, that's pretty real. Um, Toby was 14. He was going to be a freshman in high school. Pretty cool. He played soccer and football. Really cool. His hobby was computers. Less cool, but, you know, well-rounded. No, I like that. I thought that gave him a little bit of an edge. Um, his favorite group was Smash. I didn't yeah. know what that meant. I looked them up. They were an Indonesian rock band. No, I don't think that's the, it. Do you think she means the like off-Broadway trash, like garbage percussion group? Were they called Smash? I don't know, man. Maybe it's just some Jersey band. Stomp is the name of the off-Broadway. Oh, wow, you were so far off. <laughs> that's not that far off. <laughs> same, same first letter. Um. Here's the thing that Marianne says that kind of signals that she's not necessarily as boy crazy as Stacy. And this is Marianne talking about how she's kind of starting to develop feelings for Alex. Marianne says, but I never liked one before. I've always been sort of afraid of them. And then she says, then I'm glad you met Alex. I'm glad he helped change your mind about boys. They're not alien creatures, you know. Why would she clarify that? (laughs) Why would Stacy clarify that? I think it probably took me until the age of 14 or 15 mm-hmm. to realize that girls mm-hmm. were not um, terrifying alien creatures. I know it comes naturally to like a born uh, extrovert cool guy like you, mm-hmm. Jack Shepard, but I think for the Marianne's and the Tanners of the world, like it can be a little difficult, man. Would you agree that it's fair to say that I'm a Scott, but I look like an Alex, and you're an Alex, but you look like a Scott. I think uh, I think that's very generous <laughs> on on your part. Uh-uh. Um, and also, like, I think you're more like a Scott who looks like a Toby. You're not a man who looks like a nerd. Yeah, you're a man who looks like a well-adjusted forty-two-year-old man. So a good deal older than I actually am. Yeah, well, but well-adjusted. Yeah, 
That's it's it. sort of a normal, yeah, like dad-aged man. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the nicest thing you've ever said about yeah. me. <laughs> um, I got a few more things that I kind of want to talk about. I, I mean, this is like obviously this is the first epistolary novel uh, in the Babysitters series. Here's something that was refreshing. Yeah. Speaking of how boy crazy uh, Stacy is, uh-huh. here's one reason why she's not boy crazy at all. Okay. She was trying to get Marianne to go and ask Alex and Toby out on a double date. Yeah, she and Toby had already secured a date. Yeah. And she told Marianne to go ask Alex, who is Toby's cousin, if Mar- she wanted to come along as well. Right. And Marianne said, no, gross. Girls don't ask boys out on oh, dates. Oh, yeah. And Stacy said, oh, Marianne. That is so old fashioned. Yeah, that was cool. So she's not boy crazy, man. She's a like progressive young woman who's like making her own way in the world. You know. Yeah, no, that was taking awesome. charge. I like that a Smashing lot. Smashing those barriers. Yeah. Did you notice the parallels with the yellow wallpaper? Oh wow! Because they stay in a room that has yellow wallpaper. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's good. So you, you this want- is actually one of your like dumb academic references that I actually know for once. Yeah. Okay. Good, Charlotte. Perkins Gilman. Yeah, it's a it's a story. It's an old British story of an oppressed woman who is locked in her bedroom, which has yellow wallpaper, and she slowly over the course of this short story, like unravels and goes insane. Yeah, that's that's roughly what it is. I think it's not British. I think it's American, and I think that she's not locked in the room. She's kind of kept there as a part of this rest cure, where her husband is like, "You're hysterical. Like, just hang out in your room and don't read any books and don't do anything and like let the patriarchy just wash over you." Obsess with the yellow wallpaper. Um, So the reason that we're talking about this is the following quote, which I wrote down: As Marianne and Stacy walk into the holiday home. Uh, they say, this is the yellow bedroom. If you don't like it, there are a couple rooms on the third floor you could trade. Oh, no, it's perfect, Marianne breathed. Just perfect. It was a pretty room, I suppose, says Stacy, although not really to my taste. It was old-fashioned, with two dark wood beds, a bare wood floor, and yellow flowered wallpaper. Why would you call that out? Like, that is like one of the great... I can't the great wait short stories until Anna Martin is on this podcast. Yeah, and we can just confront her with all of this. I mean, this is there's no question. This is there. It is about a woman who is slowly going crazy, and yeah. that is what the trajectory of this novel is. Stacy starts out a good babysitter. She ends up a terrible babysitter no, because she, she ends up a good babysitter. She, she ends up. She has a but dark journey. There's an all is through. there's an all is lost moment where yes. she has gone. Totally boy crazy. It's about this girl who, through systematic oppression, her parents are completely domineering. They're holding her back because of this diabetes. They're, like, looking over everything she does. She can barely get the trip approved to go to C-City because her parents are just overbearing. Yeah. And she just wants to let loose. Stacy just wants to be free. And here she comes to this new place where a new form of oppression takes over and slowly drives her crazy. She gets completely What's that, boy boys? crazy. It's boys. I tell you something. Toby is our age now. Yeah. We I would hang out with that dude. You think so? I would go get a beer with him. He's into yeah. computers. He's into computers. Soccer. He's into the like hit like punk underground punk band Smash. <laughs> or Malaysian or or the Indonesian, Indonesian boy band yeah. Smash. Unclear. <laughs> or the hit 2011 NBC yeah. uh, drama Smash. Anyway, he has interests. Yeah. We could hang out with that dude. But 
literally within a day of turning Scott aside, you know what she writes in the sand? Stacy plus plus Toby equals love. Yeah, L U V. Yeah. Do you think love is just spelled wrong in the N M Martin version? Maybe it's an acronym. <laughs> it stands for something. I want to hear what you think it might stand for. Um. Uh, oh, law of universal variation. Okay. Um, and that actually fits with my theme, which is that this book is very much about yin and yang. It's very much about, you know, entropy is important, right? Like, entropy needs to happen for the world to, like, continue to flow. Otherwise, we'd just be in stasis. So entropy is part of what keeps the world going. <laughs> and this is very much a book of dichotomies. It's boy craziness, boy sensibleness. Keep talking. Okay. Uh, it's lifeguards who are supposed to keep you safe. The lifeguards never don't do their jobs. I think that the lifeguards are there as a representation of order, and then the pikes are there as a representation of chaos. Here's a, here's a quote from the pikes. Mrs. Pike says, As you know, Mr. Pike and I don't believe in making rules for the children or forcing them to do things they don't want to do. That's a this terrible a idea when you have nine, ten. ten kids. That's an awful idea. All you need is order. And the only, I want to just bring this point home, and this is something that I'm sure you noticed, uh, which is the romantic versus the Victorian sensibility in this. Okay. Which to me is... I can hang is on an, this. I can hang, hang with you on this. Yeah, so there's a point where... I minored where, in English literature in good. college. you know that? I did not know that. It That's doesn't show. absolutely true. <laughs> minored um, in English literature, and my favorite era was the Romantic era. Good man. Okay, well, uh, here's a, just a real quick one that kind of brings this particular point home. Vanessa, who's one of the Pikes? Yep. She is, I think, six or seven years old? Yep, poet. And she's a poet. She says everything in rhyme. You know what they all call her, kind of weirdly? No, I didn't pay attention. Their pet name for her is E.B. Browning. No, that's no. no. I swear to God, it's in the book. <laughs> no, it's absolutely not. I swear not. to you that if it's I do in the a book. search of the text right now for E.B. Browning. Browning, search Browning and look in the text, and then I'll I'll try to fill while we talk about this search because this the point book. that I'm making, as usual, isn't really going anywhere except to say that guess what? Another one of the kids is named Byron. Byron. I saw that. I picked that up. Yeah. Literally, the Victorian era and the Romantic era. Man, I can't wait to confront N.M. Martin. It's just too obvious to not be real. This is Victorian era is synonymous with control and order and repression and boy sensibleness. Um, The Romantic era, in particular, Byron is notorious for passion and letting it all hang out, and in Byron's case as well, boy craziness. It's just <laughs> right there. Oh, yep, 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 yep. Uh, they're at a um, Jersey Shore burger establishment that is themed like a sort of an Alice in Wonderland uh, English garden, six-foot rabbits, mushroom stools kind of experience. Mm-hmm. They're all trying to decide who's going to sit together. No one wants to sit with Vanessa because she's so irritating. Because she's always rhyming. I love Vanessa, but yeah. And uh, Nikki says, I don't want to eat with Elizabeth Barrett Browning. (laughs) Which is pretty good for like like a seven-year-old boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. That's so badass. Uh, And then Marianne says, a very good poet, so... 
there you go. A huge celebration of romantic uh, literature and poetry in this in this yeah, book. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about B theory here? Do you mean my theory? Your theory that stated in episode. I'm going to say five of this very podcast. I don't think it was five. I think we were in Berlin for five. I think it was maybe six. Okay. Well, let's not let's not fret about the numbers. But you said something that struck me, that struck a nerve with me. My theory is that Stony Brook, Connecticut, a fictional place in a non-fictional world, is not a town at all but a beehive, and that its residents and all the young people and all these babysitters are actually bees. And there's a reason for that. The reason this theory is worth entertaining is because although these books center on the idea of a babysitter's club, it still doesn't make sense how much everybody in the town, from grown-ups to siblings to the actual babysitters themselves, and like other people in the school, are completely obsessed with the idea of babysitting. Right. Which, to me now, thanks to you enlightening me on this, sounds like something that makes more sense for a colony of bees than it does for a small town in Connecticut. I want to put a small disclaimer on my bee theory. Okay. I don't know anything about bees. Okay. I don't know... (laughs) Yeah, whether bees have like a big like caring for their young instinct. Have you ever seen a baby bee? No, but it sounds like it would be cute. <laughs> Is it like a larva? Uh, God, I don't know. I have to go and wait. No, we no, to, we can't. Uh, baby, can I talk while bee. you Google? Can I tell you? Are you going to be able to listen to me while I while you Google baby something? Bo- baby Beethoven. Let me tell you something about bees, Tanner. Yeah, larval bees. I need your full attention. Bees larval stage. No, I think that's going to be gross. Oh, no, it's cute. Is it? Well, sort of. They So you know honeycombs? Mm-hmm. That like bees do? Mm-hmm. They squirt little, squirt little maggots. Oh, that's not cute. That's not cute. I think squirt is a giveaway. They like poop little maggots into the... Look at this. Look, um, look at this picture. Oh, that is cute. Little honeycombs and there's little curled oh, up... Oh, they squirt little maggot bees into the honeycombs. Little, little maggot bees into the little honeycombs. Um... That's kind of cool. It's kind of nice. I think what you might be describing are queen cups. Okay. When the hive gets ready to swarm, the queen lays eggs into the queen cups. Uh, and so they raise new queen bees so they can do a process that is called swarming, which is when a new honeybee colony is formed when the queen bee leaves the colony with a large group of worker bees. Does that sound at all familiar to you? Like they do a little tester. Bees will, will take a little test like oh. a little test group of bees. For instance, they take um, a little test group of bees from their hive in Stony Brook, Connecticut, let's a say, fictional town. For instance, to slash hive, Sea City, mm-hmm. New Jersey, another town that somehow doesn't show up on any human maps. No, <laughs> but it's not to say it doesn't show up on bee maps. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to confront Kanye about this, too. Yeah, I think Kanye would be into it. I'm just going to tweet blast him. Yeah. It's going to be hundreds of tweets. And it's going to start like, Kanye, I finally figured it out. You're getting all your inspiration from Claudia Kishi. Also, let's get into bee theory, man. Like, all of these girls are tester queen bees, and they're (laughs) spreading their colonies across the Atlantic seaboard. Uh, Let's get into it, man. What do you think? I feel like Kanye wouldn't skip a beat with something like that. No, he would pick up right where I left off. And you know what else Kanye would say? What? 
he would be like, yeah, I read book eight of the Babysitter's Club. Boy Crazy Stacy. Boy Crazy Stacy. Yeah. And a thing that I noticed that supports the beehive theory of moving a hive to a new place <laughs> is that all of the babysitters... I don't research. Yeah. <laughs> this is me as Kanye right now. Uh-huh. But all of the babysitters, right before they leave to go to Sea City, they all like burst into floods of tears. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask if they that was your tearful moment. fucking lose their minds. No, this didn't tearful Did you have moment. a tearful moment? Yeah, I had a tearful moment. Okay, let's get into it in a second. Finish your point. You know how Marianne is like, oh, boy, boys are aliens? This was a moment for me where I was, I was trying to put myself in the mind frame of a 13-year-old, and I was just like, girls are aliens. Here's the line. We all began hugging each other. Christy handed out tissues. As soon as we'd calmed down, Dawn moaned. Two whole weeks. And then... The hugging and the crying started again. That's, you're 13, you're hanging out with three of your friends. Yeah. And two of them are going away for spring break. Mm-hmm. Is it likely or even feasible that you would all, like, fucking lose your minds crying about it? When I was 13. Yeah. As previously stated. Yeah. I had one interest. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. We know it. And it was finding a quiet spot <laughs> to just yep. crank that hog. Yep. And cry? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if I was hanging out with my buds, and they're like, hey, man, we're going to take off for two weeks. We're going to Sea City, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, great, man. I got to run. Yeah. I got things to do. I got a lot of cranking and weeping. <laughs> I got things to crank. Yeah. So... See you in two weeks, man. So you wouldn't cry and hug, necessarily. So why would you weep uncontrollably if somebody's just going away for a couple weeks? Man. Unless they're running off to start a new hive, man. This is your broken British sensibilities showing through. Okay. Your emotionless, robot-like British sensibilities. I think it's probably not going to be clear for the listeners of this podcast that I'm actually a British Oh, yeah, you're British. Do your British accent. I can't. Do it to me. All right. No, don't just say one word. That doesn't prove it. Here's the thing, listeners. Jack doesn't like to admit it, but Jack is secretly British. Yeah. He grew up in England. Yeah. He went to university yep. in Scotland. Uh, moved here as a kid. Felt like a, a regular um, mean Janine and felt the need to adapt to American culture. Mm-hmm. So has taken on this American accent. Totally fake. It's perfect. It's perfect, but it's fake. And inside of you is a British man. And every time you talk to someone you love, which includes your wife. Mm-hmm. Well. You know, <laughs> it includes your wife, but maybe the British doesn't come out for her that often. Mm-hmm. Your parents and your cat mm-hmm. and your brother. I've witnessed it in front of your brother, too. Mm-hmm. You drop into your actual human man accent, mm-hmm. which is a thick Londoner no, my accent that I have when I speak with my parents is completely generic. Well, it's, it's it can't be it can't be pinned to a particular location. London is the only location in England, Jack. Yeah, um, so that was Jack's secret British accent that he actually has because he's a secret British man. I grew up in Minnesota, as previously stated in this very episode. Yeah, rich farmer blood. Mm-hmm. Every time I would go and visit my grandparents, mm-hmm. my family growing up. Uh, we would go for a week or two at a time, and every time we left, the entirety 
of the Putney clan, which is my mother's maiden name, mm-hmm. would uncontrollably sob. Wait, really? For 30 minutes. 30 minutes leading up to me and my mom and my dad and my sister leaving Minnesota would just be uncontrollable sobbing. So wait, you're saying that you're bees? (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying we're good, hearty, Midwestern (laughs) stock bees. (laughs) And you know what? They're dying out. So so you know what? We need more of that. We need more of that right now because the bees are dying out. Wow. Um, Well, that's... Okay, well, that's it for B3. Oh, man, I'm really glad we blew the lid off of your secret Britishness this episode. Uh, you can't I cut it. it. I don't... I'm going to edit this episode, so no, you I'm, can't cut I'm it. No, I'm editing this episode. Because you've edited Because I have so. edited all the episodes. I'll try to keep it in. Keep it in. All right. Um, if people are going to eat that up. Let me ask you a question, Tanner. Hit me. What was your tearful moment this week? Did you have one? Absolutely. Did not have one. I had one. Did you? Yeah, it got me good, and it came at me out of nowhere. It's early on. Marianne and uh, her dad are saying goodbye to each other. Stacy and her dad say goodbye to each other, and Stacy's dad is like, Stacy, remember to take your insulin, and like, here's a peanut butter sandwich, and like, I'm annoying, and Stacy's yeah. like, ah, shut up, Dad. Yeah. And then she goes to Marianne's, and here's the line. Marianne and I arrived at the Pikes early. My dad drove us over. If you think Mom and I had been tearful the day before— you should have seen Marianne and her father. It was like Niagara Falls for both of them. I've hardly ever seen a man cry. That this, gotcha? This is Marianne's dad who is buttoned up. He's not a guy who expresses his emotions. Mm-hmm. He's a big shot in Stony Brook, weeping, just weeping at the idea of his daughter going away for a couple of weeks. You want to know why? Uh, because he misses his dead wife. Thank you very much. Uh, this visage of her that is his daughter yeah is the only replacement he has for the void left yeah. behind by his wife's death yeah that's it that's getting me right now <laughs> i'm not even kidding that's getting me right now when when mr spear looks at marianne all he sees is his dead wife yeah shit you're thinking about your own wife dying so no i'm not no i'm not I just yeah, think I hope that Sarah that's, never dies. I think I identify with Marianne's dad. That's a real. That's like a real specific one. I feel like everybody thinks that they're a babysitter. It's like Sex in the City. Like everybody who grew up reading these books thinks of themselves as a babysitter. Uh-huh. I'm reading these books, pro- possibly at the wrong age. <laughs> yeah, and like I, who I am is Mr. Spear. Yeah, and there's just something there. It's like he's a guy a who's normally sad, single father. Yeah, so I don't. I don't see myself in him in terms of like my actual situation but i see myself in him in the way that he carries himself you know who i'm more like is a uh, um in terms of dads dads in the in the nm martin verse i guess uh, maybe stacy's dad because he's constantly worried and i'm a i'm a worrier i'll take it i'll take stacy's that's dad. good yeah so we've reached the point in the evening where you and i are just trying to get through our notes huh yeah let's get back to barf okay fine nikki is way into barf yeah he, Margot, mm-hmm. one of the least mentioned, yeah, barely, barely touched upon children, yeah. has a nausea problem. Used to it. My dad, my, weirdly, my dad growing up could never sit in the back seat of a car because he would throw up. My current wife can't sit in the back seat of a car because she'll throw up. Margot has the same problem. They have a thing called the Pike Puke Bucket mm-hmm. because Margot is so prone to throwing up. 
Nikki encourages her to drink grape soda. Yeah. Before their road trip down That's to so Sea cool. City, because he's gonna. You know what? He's a practical dude. He's gonna have to see Barf, and he wants it to be a show. Yeah. <laughs> he's awesome. I love Nikki so much. So he encourages her to drink grape soda so that she will barf up foamy purple spew. <laughs> um. At some point, so they have to take two different cars because there's so many Pike kids. Uh, Mrs. Pike and a number of the kids pass Mr. Pike and a number of the kids in the car, and they hold up a sign that says Barfmobile. Oh, this is awesome. Because they know Margot is in the car yeah. with Stacy, ready to barf up that grape soda. And Nicky, quick on his wits, grabs a red crayon and paper and fires back at them. Vomit Comet. Vomit Comet. That's so cool. That's so fucking smooth on short notice. Yeah. He's got that in the barrel. Oh, that was awesome. That was so cool. That sometimes, was so Sometimes awesome. my cat barfs. Yeah. And my wife has to clean it up because one time I was trying to be an, a responsible <laughs> adult man. Yeah. And I went to go clean up my cat's barf and barfed. <laughs> it just barfed all over the place. Like, it was hot. <laughs> And it was wet, and I was trying to scoop it up, and I was like, oh, it's gone. And it was just, like, gone. I think a lot of our listeners are barfing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually wrote down a lot of things that Nikki said, and I'm not going to go into all of them because <laughs> we're really, really d- tipping we're good. the edge of, of how long it's Man, appropriate maybe, maybe to record. Maybe book eight can be a double app. But Nikki is so cool. Here's one that just really stood out for me. Um, I'm going to read it out. <laughs> I claim the ball, cried Nikki. No, me, yelled Margot. No, me, yelled Claire. I, Stacy, from Stacy's point of view here, I grabbed the beach ball and sat on it. Guess what, I said. The beach ball is either everybody's or nobody's. Thank you, Stacy, said Mr. Pike. But it can't be everybody's, said Nikki. Then I guess it's nobody's, I replied. If it's nobody's, then I claim it. Nikki retorted gleefully. That's good logic. What a fantastic piece of rhetorical fireworks that was. That was just a stunning like he took Yeah, Nikki's running laps around these fools. They're like Nikki is like seven years old and he's just destroying these like plebeian, barely able to think lunatics who are just saying whatever comes into their fucking minds. And Nikki's just like ready. Like, vom- think about vomit comet. Think about saying vomit comet. When somebody somebody says barf mobile, like, all right, do a rhyme for barf and then uh, some kind of a vehicle. Go. Um, Upchuck. Upchuck truck? Upchuck truck. Upchuck truck. No. Upchuck truck is good. Up the Upchuck truck. truck. Let's move on. Um, We're not Nick. Hey, neither one of us are Nikki's. Neither, Neither one of us are born Nikki. We don't have that level of wordplay. Like, I bet Nikki's like a real top like ECD copywriter right now. Yeah. I bet no he's question. living in New York City and he's like one of the smartest ad minds in the world. Yeah. He's killing it. Speaking of where these characters are at now. Yeah. I know we're going a little long. Yeah. You think Stacy and Toby are still an item? No. Now as they're 35-year-old people? No way. You don't think so? No fucking way, man. That felt so real. I felt I felt it more with Marianne and Alex. Oh, you think Marianne and Alex are still an item? Well You think they had they got together, had kids young. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of in the in the book Logan likes Marianne. Logan pulls off a mask and reveals that he's actually Alex. 
That's true. No, it's not true. Logan likes Marianne is coming up, and it's about Logan. Oh, and like, I don't want. I don't Alex want it, man. Off the fucking radar. I but love. I love Marianne and Alex. Too, I man. love Marianne and Alex too. And like, this is They're the thing. So pure. This is the thing about, and this is a good place to wrap up. Yeah. Like the difference between being boy crazy and being boy sensible. <laughs> uh huh. Is I th- that I like to think that I am boy sensible. Yeah, I would think that you're boy sensible. I think you are too. Thanks, man. Yeah, that means a lot. I think we're both Marianne's. Neither of us are like identify at all with Stacy. Uh huh. Um, like we don't. We look at that yellow wallpaper, and all we see is wallpaper. Yeah. There's nothing moving around behind that wallpaper. No. We're not gonna go boy crazy just because like some fucking lifeguard called us princess. I would be. So put off if a lifeguard called me princess. <laughs> it would, you know what? If a lifeguard po- called me princess, I would be like, "Sir, <laughs> excuse me, sir, go back to looking out for sharks and making sure that the tides come in at the right time, and keep your comments to yourself." I'm flattered. Yeah, but I'm a married man. Yeah, I'm a married <laughs> man. I will. I will go and grab you a soda. <laughs> yeah, I will. Of course, can I grab you a pop? Yeah. <laughs> But that's the end of it. I like that both of us, when we're pretending to be real men, <laughs> adopt Dude. these real men like uh, voices. Uh, uh, no nonsense. <laughs> Neither of us are actually <laughs> real men. <laughs> Let's wrap this goddamn episode. Let's tie it up with a bow. Um, this has been, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Baby Nation. Can you say it? Baby Nation. Baby Nation. <laughs> That's good. That sounded good. I think so. Yeah. Um, Baby Nation, uh, thanks for sitting through this one with us. This was a great book, Boy Crazy Stacy. Oh, my God, Jack, it's 9 o'clock. Just try to stay cool, man. You've got a a two-and-a-half-hour movie to watch. We're going to watch a movie after this. Try to to be cool for once in your fucking life. We're we're wrapping this up. We're going to watch watch a a two-and-a-half-hour movie together. (laughs) I'm trying to get you there, man. I mean, I, here's here's a true fact. Next episode is going to be episode nine. We're going to be reading a book called "The Ghost at Dawn's House." It's going to be a Dawn POV, and it's going to have some fucking ghosts in it. I man, it's about time we're back to Dawn. It's yeah. been like I feel like it's been ages. Dawn's back with a vengeance and with a haunting. Uh, I've been Jack Shepard. I've been Tanner Greenring, and this has been. Episode number eight of the Babysitter's Club Club. Claudia's wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you'd think boys had just been invented. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time the Babysitter's Club. Man, it's going to be hard to edit us singing that. <laughs> yeah. To Scott's outro. Yeah, especially since I need to cut about 40 minutes out of this episode. Okay, (laughs) goodbye. Thank you very much.